Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Ginger C., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Colorado. Today is Monday, December 25th, at 10 a.m. Eastern, or sorry, Pacific Time meeting. And today we are reading from the Big Book. We are in Bill's story. We're on page seven, the third paragraph, beginning with, but it was not. And then we will go through three paragraphs ending, alcohol was my master. And today's readers, we have for the 12 steps, Stacey T., the 12 traditions, Mary Ellen B., and our readers are Kathleen O., Ashley P., and Christine M. The reference number for yesterday's special edition, Sunday, December 24th, is 10,833. Again, 10833. And this morning's 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 10,835. 10835. The OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence in the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. So now I will ask Stacy T. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning, and thank you for your service. This is, can you hear me? I sure can. Oh, great. Thanks so much. Thanks for your service. Stacy T. calling from Cleveland, recovering compulsive overeater. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to prove our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, 
we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thanks for letting me do service, and I pass. And thank you this morning for your service, Stacey T. I will now ask Mary Ellen B. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning. Thank you. This is Mary Ellen B. in Florida, the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees, excuse me, directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I'll pass. And thank you for your service this morning, Mary Ellen B. So how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, and then we stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute, and once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, and then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. So again, today we are resuming our study of the big book, we're in Bill's story. We're on page seven. We're on the third paragraph, but it was not. And we'll read through three paragraphs ending, 
alcohol was my master. We will be commenting on all three paragraphs this morning. And I'll now ask Kathleen O to begin our reading. Good morning. Thank you. This is Kathleen O, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Northern California. But it was not, excuse me, but it was not for the frightful day came when I drank once more. The curve of my declining moral and bodily health fell off like a ski jump. After a time, I returned to the hospital. This was the finish. The curtain, it seemed for me, my weary and despairing wife was informed that it would all end with heart failure during delirium tremens or I would develop a wet brain, perhaps within a year. She would soon have to give me over to the undertaker or the asylum. They did not need to tell me. I knew and almost welcomed the idea. It was a devastating blow to my pride. I, who had thought so well of myself and my abilities, of my capacity to surmount obstacles, was cornered at last. Now I would plunge into the dark, joining that endless procession of thoughts who had gone on before. I thought of my poor wife. There had been much happiness after all. What would I not give to make amends? But that was over now. No words can tell of the loneliness and despair I found in that bitter morass of self-pity. Quicksand stretched around me in all directions. I had met my match. I had been overwhelmed. Alcohol was my master. And, you know, this really describes the pain of living with, with addiction and, um, you know, the hopelessness, the despair. Um, <clears throat> it's, um, it's overwhelming. And the quicksand, I mean, I felt that quicksand. It was like if I struggled, um, I'd maybe go down a little slower. Um, but if I gave up and just ate, I go down fast. And it, just, it was just this, this, you know, downward spiral that just kept bringing me deeper and deeper. And, you know, Bill, um, we, you know, Bill starts his story um, as a young officer. So, you know, he discovered alcohol when, when um, he was at war and he becomes lonely. He turns to alcohol. Um, and, you know, and it, and it talks about, he talks about his life. I mean, he has some, some good moments and, and, you know, he's a very brilliant man and he became interested in law, but due to alcohol, he failed his law course. His wife gets concerned, you know, he gets golf fever and golf fever allows him to drink day and night. Um, the stock market crashes in 1929. Where does he go? He goes to the bar, um, you know, and he changes locations geographically. I tried that too. It didn't work. You know, he went to Canada and um, and that didn't work either. You know, he loses his job. Um, his his wife is going to work and he's home drunk. And, you know, so liquor was no longer a luxury for Bill. It was a necessity. And he thinks he can control the alcohol. And the cunning baffling part is he has periods where he does control the alcohol. And he even realizes he can't, you know, he gets to the point where he realizes he can't even take one drink. And when he does stop, he's convinced he's not going to drink again only to drink again. So, you know, he thinks he's crazy. He resolves once more to give up drink, and when he stops drinking, he thinks he has it licked. Then again, he's pounding on the bar, wondering how he got there. And, you know, so Bill keeps doing what he's doing. He drinks because he has to drink, and he keeps getting what he's getting. He's drunk, and he has a life that is unmanageable. He's hopeless. He's desperate. He's powerless. Um, but he always drinks again. So clearly self-knowledge wasn't the answer um, because he drinks, he stops, he drinks, he stops over and over again. And I can identify with that. I binge day after day, gaining weight until I, like Bill, 
would swear off eating compulsively. I'd lose the weight, think I had arrived, think I had figured it out. But then when things wouldn't go my way, emotions of selfishness, resentments, fear, something would make me unhappy, and the mental obsession would lead to picking up foods that triggered the allergy. And I'd get relief for a few minutes. So then the phenomenon of craving would set in, and I wouldn't be able to stop eating. And, you know, and I keep chasing that, that wanting to get that relief. Um, and so, you know, it would be years before I could white-knuckle another diet. And, um, you know, thankfully, um, you know, when, when Bill's back in the hospital, he realizes alcohol is his master. I get to that point, too. It's like, you know, food was running my life. And, you know, thankfully, things are going to get better for Bill. Um, he does stop drinking for the remaining 35 years of his life. And he gets to where he no longer wants to drink. So if you're new, um, stick with us. These pages are going to tell us how we can stop eating compulsively and how we can no longer want to eat compulsively and, and you know, get our lives back in order. And it really is a miracle. And thank you. Merry Christmas. And I pass. And thank you so much for your service this morning, Kathleen O. Oh. So we will now open up the lines for sharing. Again, we're in Bill's story for anyone who's just joining us. We're on page seven. We began with the third paragraph, but it was not. And we read through three paragraphs ending, alcohol was my master. And comments will be on all three paragraphs. And who would like to start us off? Mary Amrifka E. Sylvia F. Wendy and Barbara. Paula D. This is Mary. Okay, I'm going to stop after mm-hmm. this lineup. That was a lot of people. That's fantastic. And I apologize if I've missed someone. Um, I was writing as fast as I could. So I have Gina R., Reggie. I didn't get the first name, but I believe the initial of your last name was H. I have Sylvia F., Wendy M., Paula D., and Larry K. I think it was Barbara E., not H. Okay. Okay, we're going to stop there. I got a huge lineup. Um, Okay, so we're going to stop there, and we're going to begin with Gina R., followed by Reggie O., Good morning, Gina. Hey, Ginger. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service in so many ways. This is Gina R., gratefully recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body in Green Valley, Arizona. And Merry Christmas to everybody. Um, For me, what is jumping out here is um, I, who had thought so well of myself and my abilities, of my capacity to surmount obstacles, was cornered at last. I I really had no idea that it was the food that was cornering me. I just thought I was descending into um, a state of mental instability and um, physical decline. I knew that I didn't like the way I was eating and I was continuing to try different things, but I never understood that picking up my alcoholic foods um, was actually the thing that was keeping me blocked from my higher power helping me. 
And I could not understand why I seemed to be successful, and I'm emphasizing the word seemed, in so many other areas. And certainly, I would say to the general world standards, I probably was. But now that I am free of the food and the food obsession, and I understand how I can actually um, embrace and be embraced by my higher power, and there's there, I, I emphasize that as well. Before, I was the one always running the show. I did not let my higher power um, embrace or um, envelop me in in the reality of things that I couldn't do on my own. So until I really, 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 really understood that it was the food keeping me blocked, there was no way. I was going to um, understand that the mental decline I was being plunged into, like th- that next sentence, plunged into the dark, um, what, would I get this? It was very sobering to know that um, uh, Pepperidge Farm cakes and uh, cookies were the things that cornered me because they seemed so insignificant, especially on a day like today, which is going to be celebrated with a lot of sweets, but that's the reality for me. It cornered me, but I was able to see it with the helpfulness of someone in whom the problem had been solved and who was willing to share with me, just like the book tells it to, by attraction, not promotion. And for that, I am super, super grateful, and I am actually able to enjoy this day, this very day when for so many All I wanted to do was not be here. So with that, I pass, and thank you again for the service for everybody on the line. Bye-bye. Great. Thank you, Gina R. So next we have Reggie O. followed by Miriam Rifka. Hey, good morning, Ginger. Uh, Thanks so much for your service this morning. Reggie O. gratefully recovered in the Los Angeles area. And uh, I'm really grateful to be on the line with everybody this morning. Uh, Boy, you know, these... These last three paragraphs, I've been thinking the same thing about lots, you know, lots of the last paragraphs that we've leading that we've been reading, and it's a lot of the as Bill goes deeper, descends deeper and deeper into the, you know, the quicksand. Uh, he, he's been a lot of the story has been the same, you know, uh, since early on, which was oh, I don't know how many years, you know, how many years he started with almost failing his law course when he was too, too drunk to think or write, but. Uh, it just, you know, it kept costing him and costing him. It got, you could see it got worse, and then he would think he would come out of it and know he had it licked. This time it would be different. It was self-knowledge. Uh, but, you know, he just kept going back to the alcohol because he had to. He didn't have another solution. And um, I, I can relate to that. And I really love what the last speaker said and can, um, you know, so relate to that is over my my declining, you know, uh, my decline in the in my life of compulsive eating, I too, uh, I too, was um, in enough denial, not through any attempt to deny, but that was just a part of the disease. I didn't know that it was the food, you know, that was that was taking me down, you know, over and over and over and over again. And I would get up and, you know, rally for a while and do some pretty good things and. You know, then then it would take me, you know, take me over again, and and I didn't know that because I I never I didn't have a solution. I didn't know there was an answer out there. It certainly wasn't 
you know, it certainly wasn't dieting. Um, but, uh, you know, then it took me uh, a lot of years in program. You know, I got to program and, you know, had, had I've actually recovered before, as I've said in here before, and, and the food took me out again because I got such a good life, you know, and I didn't know I had to do this every day. Um, and so I didn't, and eventually it pulled me back in. It took me years to come back. You know, I'm so grateful that I knew of a vision for you in August of 2016 when I when I came back here and really started to really learn and understand even more about working the steps, which I had done several times before, but really knew about that. You know, the the the, the combination. You know, it wasn't just an allergy, it, and it wasn't just a mental obsession. It was both. And I had, to, you know, and I have to deal with both, and I had to, to uh, deal with the allergy by putting down my alcoholic foods, and then work the steps so the mental obsession would be gone, which then, you know, puts me in a life that is really amazing, and I don't have to follow that path anymore. So, uh, you know, on this day for me, which is one of the holidays that I do celebrate, uh, I am so grateful to wake up uh, abstinent, you know, and, uh, um, and. Yeah, and that I have this to come to every day uh, because I choose to, and for that I'll pass. And thank you, Reggie O. So next we have Miriam, followed by Sylvia F. Good morning, Miriam. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service. This is Miriam Ruska H. in New Jersey. You know, and I'm listening to the reading this morning, and it sounds awful. Like, Phil is in this awful, deep, horrible place, and he's really been reduced to just this, you know, he's he's totally overwhelmed by this alcohol problem. He says, alcohol is my master. He, he, had, he was serving it, serving alcohol as his master, um, unwillingly even, but couldn't, couldn't stop. And for me, I got to this place here in this program. You know, what brought me to program originally was just that I was too fat for my liking and I wanted to lose weight. And it took years of being in this program and even losing the weight and being in the thin body that I wanted, but being miserable and watching the recovered people around me have so much more than I wanted. And I should add that even if, even though I lost the weight, food was still my master. I was still binging. I was still, even the last, I had a, about a year of, quote, abstinence where I was using food compulsively in ways that were still were still hurting me. Um, and I had to come to a place where I just saw that I could not control this food thing, that this food problem was completely overwhelming me. It was completely my master. And I had no choice you know, in the matter, I had to really come to see that this isn't, this isn't about me committing my food and weighing and measuring my food. And in that way, I'll have control. I had to really come to see that I'm totally powerless. So I just, I wanted to add that, you know, even though this looks like a horrible place to be, it's actually, at least for me, it was a really necessary step. I needed to get to that point to see that food is completely overwhelming me so that I could build upon that and throw out my arms and say, like, all right, like, I give up. There's nothing else I could do. I totally am licked. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. And thank you, Miriam Rifka H. Next, we have Sylvia F. followed by Wendy M. Good morning, Sylvia. 
Good morning, Ginger. Thank you so much for your service. And uh, it's so cool to be moderating this Christmas morning for all of us. And welcome to everyone on the line. This is Sylvia App, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in San Francisco Bay. I love the, that one paragraph, no words can tell of the loneliness and despair I found on that bitter morass of self-pity, you know, I, just thinking completely of myself and how my life, how, what I want for my life and how I want others to behave and how I want to look and how I want others to see me. I mean, give me a list of that bitter morass of self-pity and uh, I looked up morass in um, the dictionary, and, and I did have the image of an area of low-lying, soggy ground, which I certainly boggy, soggy, you know, sinking in, you know, where they talk about the quicksand. There's no help. Uh, but it also says something that hinders, engulfs, or overwhelms. And that was it. I had met my match. I had been overwhelmed, alcohol was my master, and you know, I, when I first came in and I heard someone say, you know, we wish you the gift of desperation. If I say that now, um, and, you know, it's just like early on where, where uh, when uh, Bill and someone else is 12-stepping uh, someone, and we laugh because it's like, yeah, if I, can't get, if I can't get to the gift of desperation, I won't do the work. Why would I? Why, why would I? Um, I have to be desperate in order to do the work. And the work isn't that hard, but it's just all I know is that eating was my only solution. And, um, and so when I came in, uh, I didn't know anything about 12-step meetings at all. I felt like I was joining a cult. I didn't tell anyone. And I showed up, uh, you know, I, I, I was terrified. And, um, and that's how desperate I was. I didn't know what else I could do. And so um, when I got into the meeting and I heard that we had this, I had a disease, it was an illness, and it didn't matter if I didn't yet understand that it was a physical allergy and an obsession of the mind, it didn't matter. I cried for two weeks to find out that this wasn't my fault and that there was no self-control that wasn't going to be enough to, uh, to, to treat this disease. I, you know, so it was a relief. So total defeat and relief and that surrender. And, you know, the other thing is um, I, I was getting ready to do a talk and I, and I did a search to see how many times surrender is um, listed, is named in the book. None. Because they, don't, they, they describe surrender but they never said, the word is never said, and I thought that that was fascinating. And so um, if you're on the line, I see my time is up. If you're on the line and you're desperate, uh, I so uh, welcome you. Uh, the, the promises are amazing this Christmas Day. You know, I, my kids can tell them, my grown kids can tell them different. My friends, you know, I can take them as they are. I, I just feel joy, and um, I'm not in my head. It's a gift. And with that, I pass. Merry Christmas. And thank you, Sylvia F. So next we have Wendy M. followed by Barbara E. Good morning, Wendy. Yes, good morning, Wendy M. Recovered gratefully in Boulder, Colorado. And I want to say that, first of all, Merry Christmas to everybody. Happy holiday. And um, just being on this line with everyone right now is the greatest gift I can get today 
Um, I will never unwrap a gift under the tree that will match the gift I have right here, right now with all of you and with vision for you. And that is the greatest gift, along with the entire abstinence I have this morning. Um, you know, there's the, really, there's no gift under the tree that's going to match it. And I'm just so bloody grateful that I can be on this line uh, and be abstinent and be recovered. It's gift over gift over gift. So what I want to say about the passage is yay, Bill, right? Like, oh, my God, yay. Um, he knew and almost welcomed the idea. So he's starting to really get into step one here. He's really conceding to his innermost self that he is indeed an alcoholic, an addict. And um, I can't get well until Bill got well. So um, I just love, love this chapter. And, um, you know, and, and again, as been said, thank God for the desperation. And when I work with someone, the first question I have is, are you desperate? Are you out of ideas? So if you're on this line and you're out of ideas, yay. Yay, you. That's fabulous. And then, you know, again, I can't sponsor myself, so I need to get a sponsor. And it doesn't have to be the perfect sponsor. It just has to be a sponsor. They're just going to walk you through the book. Um, And I also want to say that just this one line is so sad, but I get it. I totally related. I knew and almost welcomed the idea, you know, the undertaker in the asylum. And um, I, I wanted to give up. Again, I always say I didn't want to commit suicide, but... I really didn't want to face life anymore. Just put me, I did, I put me in a hospital for the rest of my life. Just take care of me. I don't have to make any decisions, nothing. I just welcomed the idea. I get that. You know, and then I, I, I who had thought so well of myself and my abilities, on and on and on. So he's talking about himself, like what he was going to do. And that's just all me. That's just self. Self running the show, page 60 to 63, right? And so he goes from that to, really getting it. Alcohol was my master. Thank God Bill got that. I'm so grateful that he got that. And that is divinely inspired. The last thing I want to say is, you know what? Um, I used to give thousands of gifts to my family, gifts, stuff, stuff, stuff. And this year I didn't have to do that. Um, You know, because growing up, there was never enough food during, oh, and Christmas day was crazy. I, I binged my brains out because even though my mother gave me thousands of gifts, it was never going to be enough gifts. And it was never going to take care of the hole in my soul, ever. So I just, my memory of Christmas is I just didn't stop eating. And the gift I can give my family today is not thousands of gifts. It's very minimal, you know. But what I give them is being present, being at peace, being kind, listening to them, loving them. And the greatest gift of all I can give them this morning is acceptance. Total and complete acceptance of my family, of myself, and all of you. And with that, I will pass. Mm, thank you so much, Wendy M. And next we have Barbara E. followed by Paula D. Good morning, Barbara. Good morning, everyone. And Melikolikimaki, Police Navidad, Joyous Noel, and Merry Christmas to all. Bill was a wizard with words. He uses such vivid wording. In, this, in these two or three paragraphs. The first I'd like to just mention is the word quicksand. Um, it's so vivid. If you, if you fall into the quicksand, if you stumble into it and you struggle, you sink lower and lower. No one can jump in after you to save you because then they too would struggle and sink into the quicksand. 
But what they can do is throw you a lifeline and and you can hang on for dear life and pull yourself up out of the quicksand if you don't let go. That lifeline for me was this program of recovery, the big book, the step sponsor, the big book as a text following it precisely and never letting go. The more I struggled with the food, the worse it got. Just to use a word that he didn't in these paragraphs, the noose was getting tighter on my neck. I couldn't stop eating. I thought I could control it. I always thought self-knowledge would bring me control, but then I'd go out and eat again. And the binges got longer and longer, and the time between them got shorter and shorter. I had to totally surrender to abstinence, complete abstinence, and to the program. And I have to always remember that ego can be rebuilt. So I have to live in steps 10, 11, and 12 every single day. I have to surrender, surrender, surrender. Take that nightly review. Someone mentioned all the different things. What I, had I done well? What did I did not do quite as well? What could I work on tomorrow? Did I owe an apology? And some gratitudes. I always throw them in. And then when I wake in the morning, I meditate. Someone said, prayer is when you speak to God and meditation is when you listen to the answer. This is a wonderful program of recovery and I am so grateful for it. I've been in for 20 years now. I would never, ever leave because nothing before OA has worked and nothing before Vision for You has helped me to at least understand and try to rid myself daily by daily of character defects that have that annoying habit of popping up again. But we are all perfect the way we are going forward. And if you're new to the program, this is a program that works. Grab that lifeline and hang on for dear life. Again, thank you for letting me share and Merry Christmas to all. And thank you, Barbara E. So next we have Paula D. followed by Larry K. Good morning, Paula. Good morning. This would be Paula D. Currently in um, New Hampshire, snowy New Hampshire. In two days I will be in sunny Florida. Kind of describes where, where my friend is here, the location where he is, but it's more than just a geographic location. He is in such a dark, dark place. But can I bring to mind what we read before, the mind and body are marvelous mechanisms. Look at what happened here. You know, you see so many places, and I'm going to go right to where we read, he didn't want to die. I knew and almost welcomed the idea, almost welcomed the idea. Why did he almost put in there? He just didn't know how to live. That is what it is here. I didn't know how to live. And as I read this, oh, I can so identify with where I was and where I am. And, you know, today many of us celebrate, and I I will say, may I add here, recovered by and with the grace of God. Today, I believe, is the grace of God. 
that's my holiday, that's my holy day. I changed the I, and it became a Y, and I don't even have to know. But as we read here, oh, he says, it was a devastating blow to my pride. That was it. You're falling apart, buddy. Yeah. I, who had thought so well of myself and my abilities and my capacity to surmount obstacles, was cornered at last. Best place? Best place? You would say cornered? Finally, when you're cornered, you have to stay in one position. You have to see where you are. And until that happens... Until that happens, you will go on scurrying all over the place, just like those cornered little mouses. They'll go here, they'll go there. They'll run to this, they'll run to that. And I did that. You know, we come to step one here. No words can tell of my loneliness and despair. I found in the bitter morass of self-pity. Why me? Why me? And then he said, I had met my match. I had been overwhelmed. Alcohol was my master. To know that, to know and finally see that, how could that be the answer? Because I never saw it. I never saw it. Today, oh, in such a different place, and we're going to go reading on, but you know, this is a special day for many people. It's Monday, it's Christmas, but I want to go on where Bill leads us. On page 16, most of us feel we need look no further for utopia. We have it with us right here and now. Each day, my friends, 12-step. Simple talk in our kitchen multiplies. You see that? Multiplies itself in a widening circle of peace on earth and goodwill to men. Now, that's quite the ending. With that, I do pass, and I thank you for this time. And thank you, Paula D. <clears throat> so next we have Larry K. followed by Leah S. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, Ginger. Hey, no lemonheads today. It's a miracle, right? Okay, I'm Larry K. <clears throat> I'm a recovered compulsive reader from, and I'm from Chicago. You know, it says here, um, no words can tell of the loneliness and despair I found in that bitter morass. Of self-pity, morass is it, morass is, uh, is it's like a swamp, but it's also a, a confused state. Quicksand stretched around me in all directions. I had met my match. I had been overwhelmed. Alcohol was my master. I, I can relate to Bill. The um, yeah, I can remember those days. You know, the the interesting thing is that sometimes it's darkest before the dawn. We're going to see, you know, where where he goes from here. Because I can remember Christmas, you know, pick a holiday, and then it doesn't really matter. And I, I'd armor up, you know, I'm, I'm in OA, okay, and, I, and I'm going to armor up. I'm going to, ready to go, go to battle, to stay out of the food for one more day. See, that's not, that's not what I have today. It's different today. See, you, you know, you, you may be suffering from a malady which only a spiritual experience will conquer. And I missed that part in the book. Because I kept searching, in a way, I kept searching for the food plan. I kept searching for somebody, please, dear God, somebody give me the secret. And there was no secret. There was no pixie dust. They weren't kidding 
when, when a handful of people told me that if you work these steps and you work them precisely and you work them quickly, that you will come out on the other end and you will have a spiritual experience, a spiritual awakening sufficient to drive out that obsession. And until that occurs, all you'll ever have is temporary abstinence where you can armor up and some days you're going to feel real strong. I think I got it. I think I got this deal licked. And other days you're going to fall off like the ski jump. How many times did Bill think he had it? You may be suffering from a malady that's a problem which only a spiritual experience will conquer. And guess what? You can't bring about your own spiritual experience. You're in a pickle, all right? All you can do is do the work and follow these instructions precisely. You don't effectuate or bring about that spiritual awakening. God does. And does this mean that a spiritual experience is necessary, that it's required for recovery? Yeah, if you're like me, it does. Now, if you're on the line and you're not a compulsive reader, in other words, you don't have the twofold nature of the disease, both the allergy of the body and the more insidious part, the obsession of the mind, you, you might be able to figure it out yourself. You know, go out and research it a little more. I needed to. But if you are like me, only a spiritual experience as the result of these steps drove out that obsession unequivocally. Unequivocally means in a way that leaves no doubt. There's no doubt in my mind. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Larry Kay. And next we have Leah S. followed by Sherry KB. Good morning, Leah. Thank you so much. Thank you, moderator. Um, my name is Leah S., a recovered compulsive overeater from Brooklyn, New York. And I, too, want to talk about morass of self-pity. Uh, pity me, pity me, and pour me, pour me, until really pour me a drink, come on, and give me another one, and please give me another one. So I had to... Um, I had to learn that everyone has a low bottom. Uh, I, I came into the rooms and I saw people that were really skinny and I, I really felt uncomfortable sharing and I said, what are these people doing here? Do they know what, what, what us fat people go through? It, it, does, it does this. And this is what morass of self-pity is. Each person experiences their own low of lows and each person comes to a turning point and unless you get that turning point and you concede to your innermost self that this is it and there really is a higher power I'm going to share something that I never shared before. My sister was 46 years old when she died. She had been very sick. I went to with her. I was not an overweight person. I was a compulsive overeater, but I was not an overweight person. And I went with her to this big doctor, and you couldn't walk through the doctor's door until you laid down, you know, cash, money, whatever, but he had the healing for her. He had the healing. We finally got into his office, and all he did was look at my sister and burst into laughter. Talk about shame. Talk about manners. This is a big doctor that we paid a lot of money 
to go. This disease is progressive because I never thought it would hit me. But you know what? I had to reach my bottom. I had to understand that this is something that is eating me up, and I really don't know how to live my life. And without his higher power, I don't think I could ever, ever recover or lead the life that I and the miracles that I am experiencing today. And with that, I will pass. Thank you for letting me share. And thank you, Leah S. And next we have Sherry KB. Good morning, Sherry. Good morning, Kendra. Good morning, everybody. Sherry KB in Northern California. Grateful Recovery Compulsive Overeater. So good to be on the line today. And happy Monday and happy holidays to everybody. Um, You know, I'm going to start with the last sentence uh, of what we read on Friday and then go into this because surely this was the answer, self-knowledge. And then the next paragraph, it says, but it was not, for the frightful day came when I drank once more. And, you know, that's just it. I was full of self-knowledge. I was full of self-help books and full of information and all self-helped up. And uh, that was my problem. I was all self-helped up. Um, It was a devastating blow to my pride, who I had thought so well of myself and my abilities of my capacity to surmount obstacles was cornered at last. Um, That was me. Um, And to me, this paragraph where it starts with no words can tell the loneliness and despair, this is one of the most powerful paragraphs I have ever seen on powerlessness because, you know, it's talking about bitter morass and a couple of people have talked about the definition. And I found a little bit of different one. It says difficult perplexing, excuse me, perplexing situation, something that traps, confuses, impedes, like a swamp. So it's, you know, it's talking about drowning in this disease to me of not only my food, but my self-pity, because it's all around me, my self-pity and all this self-centeredness and the quicksand and how, you know, quicksand is like you can't get out there by yourself. No, No human aid can pull me out of quicksand. Only my higher power can pull me out of this, pull me out, keep me abstinent, uh, pull me out of my self-pity and my fear, doubt, and insecurity. And the only answer, you know, is the steps. And, you know, food became my master. It was like I was a slave to it. And I didn't know because there's so many other areas that I could self-knowledge myself, but not this, not this one. This, This beat me down beat me down bad and uh, I kept getting up but it kept beating me down again and my my self-will my self-knowledge availed me nothing and I, I think of when I was a little kid I used to watch reruns of Tarzan and always the bad guy ended up in the quicksand and um, you know trying to get him out and you'd see him go down 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 and that's what this disease does um, it's slow but it kills and uh and I'm just so grateful to be on this line. My husband asked me, what are you doing up so early? And I said, it's Monday. I'm always on my meeting. And thank you so much, and I'm so grateful to be here, and I pass. Thank you. And thank you, Sherry KB. So we do have time for one more, if somebody would like to take us out this morning. Marin K. Okay, I believe I heard Marin K. Hi, yes, you did. Great. Good morning, Marin. Thank you. Good morning, and thank you so much for chairing the meeting. And I got on the line a little late, but I'm very grateful to have all of you people. 
Um, yes, yeah, so someone once said self-knowledge. I had a lot of knowledge about my illness. It took me eight years, eight hospitals, before I became willing to use the program and outside help to get better. I hit my bottom right about now, 20, about 30 years ago. I was going to die, and I made a decision through saying the serenity prayer that I was going to help myself. I took myself to a hospital, and I got better and recovered. And, yes, I was going to die if I did not work the steps and work the program and go to this big book and read it and learn it with my sponsor. And, yes, I had done a lot of things, and I thought well of myself. Hadn't I done so much? Yes, I had been an actor. I had done so many things. I was able to function in my illness for quite a while. But towards the end, I wasn't able to. And I had joined the procession of sots who had gone on before me. I was at the bottom of the bottom when I came in, and I'm just so grateful at this time of year because this is when it all came to a head. And because of you guys and because of OA, uh, OA and my other programs, I've been able to stay abstinent uh, going on 23 years. And I do struggle, you know, like all of us with other issues. But I have never had to be where I was uh, almost 30 years ago where I was at death's door. So for me, it's a happy day. And I'm just another day, even though it is a holiday. And I welcome everyone who's new and say thank you to all you that have been on the line for a long time. Thank you. And thank you, Marin Kay. Thank you so much. So we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And I will ask Ashley P. to please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only through Keep You Until Then. Ashley P. Hi, this is Ashley P. Recovered in Northern California. Can I be heard? You sure can. Okay. Um, And just wanted to say really grateful to be on the line today and happy holidays to everybody. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.